church. Good to see you on another Wednesday evening. Uh, remember to pray for one another. Remember to take your time to uh, do what you're supposed to do and be well. If you need us, call us. Call my number or the church number or your deacon's number and you'll, we'll help you all we can. Tonight I wanted to look at uh, the old saying, what comes around uh, or what goes around comes around. Okay, and basically the Bible teaches that is reaping and sowing. And I wanted to look at a very interesting character tonight, one of the patriarchs of the Jewish uh, family, the Jewish race. His name was Jacob. I want to pick up his story in chapter 28. He's already tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright and tricked his father into getting the blessing uh, that was supposed to be his older brother's and his older brother is angry and he fears for his life and so he's running for his life and going back to his mother's folks. Uh, and so we pick up the story in chapter 28 of Genesis, beginning with verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac, the land of on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What a promise. Then Jacob awoke from sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. It is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of him. Called on the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God house of bread but the name of that city had been Luz previously and Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going uh, give me bread to eat put clothes to put on when I come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God and the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me I will surely give you a tenth let's pray Father, guide us into your word and teach us what you have for us tonight. And Father, I pray that we'll learn the lessons you want us to learn. We'll take them and grow from them. And Father, we do pray for our fellow Christians here around the world, our church family, our families. Keep us safe in this pandemic. Father, we pray you'd stop this pandemic in a way that gains you glory over all your enemies, over all the false gods around the world. And Father, I pray you'd send your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you come, leave a blessing, spread revival, pour out upon us around the world, in our nation, in our town, in our church. 
These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, what comes around goes around. And what that really means is we reap what we sow in life. Now the story is rather long. If we don't get through it, we'll take it up again next week. But in verse 29, the story continues. And uh, it says, Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. He looked and saw a well of the field. There were three flocks lying by it. Uh, for out of the well they watered the flocks, and a large stone was on the well's mouth. All the flocks... Uh, would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? <clears throat> and they said, We are from Haran. He said, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. He said, Is he well? They said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And it is still... Day is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Why are the sheep and go feed them? But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came from her father's with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone away. So it begins. Uh, we reap what we sow in life. And we see in this passage that he, he meets Rachel, his future wife. As a matter of fact, if you goes on down, uh, uh, it came to pass. Laban heard the report. He goes out to meet uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, he said, you're my relative. In verse 15, you shouldn't serve me for nothing. What, what, what are you doing? He said, Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. Rachel's beautiful. And Jacob loved Rachel in verse 18. He says, uh, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And he said, it's better for me to give her to you than I give her to someone else. So he served seven years. They seem but as a day, a few days, because of the love he had for her. And then Jacob came and said, give me my wife for my days fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Came about in the evening. He took Leah, his daughter, not Rachel, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her, and Laban gave his maid Zilpah, his daughter Leah, and as a maid, it came to pass in the morning, that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? He said, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week. We will give you this one also for the service which you shall serve me still another seven years. The deceiver is deceived. Jacob's very mean needs hill stature. He had lived by his wits. He had deceived many. And now the tables are turned. So what's happening? What are some of the lessons we can learn? See, leaving Bethel, his religious experience, where he said God was here. I knew it not. And he worships God there with that pillar that he sets up. Leaving Bethel, he is not ready for service. We, we know he's still a trickster. He's still doing these things. And so he's leaving, but he's not ready for service. Sometimes we come to worship, and it doesn't sink in who God really is. Sometimes we come to worship, and things distract us as soon as we leave this place. We forget God. We forget the worship experience. And, and so we're not really ready for service. And Jacob had to experience discipline. 
Okay, before he was ready to serve God as God had for him to be the father of the 12 nations of Israel, the grandpa. And sometimes we experience this some of the same way. See, Jacob, as a deceiver, became the deceived. He got what he sowed. Sometimes we need to, to learn the lesson, to treat others correctly, to live correctly, to practice the Christian life in everyday life. But Jacob had to learn to become a worshiper. You see, a one-time Bethel experience is not enough. To me, people, instead of spending time with God daily, instead of spending time in prayer and reading their Bibles and studying, think that coming to church once a week or once a month is all they have to do. But that one-time experience is not enough. It's supposed to be a lifetime relationship. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. And God wasn't calling Jacob, and he doesn't call us, to religion. He calls us to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. He said when he discovered God at Bethel, he was afraid, and he worshiped. Then he gets up, and off he goes. You see, God prepares our hearts for what he knows is in our future. He's going to have to learn some difficult lessons as a deceiver. And to be used of God, he's going to have to empty of himself finally. And at the end of this story, that's what he does. And sometimes through discipline, we learn those tough lessons. We have to empty ourselves to be used of God so that we're ready for service. You and I need to understand that when we experience God's discipline, when those things happen in our lives, it should clue us in that God knows best, that he's trying to remove some things, that he's preparing us for the future, that he wants us to serve him in a unique way, and all these experiences that we've had in life prepare us for what he knows is coming, what he knows we can handle, what he knows we can do for the kingdom of God. It's very practical. And so when you find yourself in, in discipline, God's discipline, the thing to do is to repent of what you've been doing or what I've been doing and look to see what God is trying to prepare us for. How would he have us move? What would he have us to do? Make it practical just as it was for Jacob. Now, what happens when we leave the Bethel behind? You see, first of all, we become vulnerable, I'm going to say that word right, vulnerable to hasty and prayerless decisions. Think about it. There's no evidence until he comes back that, that Jacob is worshiping. As a matter of fact, he, he, he made a deal with God that I didn't think was very good. He said, if you do this, bless my way. If you give me bread and clothing, if you lead me back safely to my father's house then you will be my God that isn't the way it works God calls us at times to be in relationship to him and that's the time rather than continuing this relationship rather than hearing from God again rather than being guided by God he leaves Bethel behind him and he makes a lot of hasty prayerless decisions there's no evidence that he prayed during the Bethel experience there's no evidence until the end of this story that he even shares it. And then he shares it with his wives when he's getting ready to run away from his father-in-law and go home. Then he shared that he had had this experience, that God had led him to this place, that God was going to bless him and watch out for him. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do 
But Jacob really wasn't ready. He was making a lot of prayerless and hasty decisions, but he left that behind him. How do I want to say this? Too many people in our day, even people who tell me they're Christians, make decisions without ever asking God. And I'm not just talking about little decisions. I'm talking about big decisions. Where they're going to live, what they're going to do for a living, how they're going to work, uh, who their friends are going to be. All those things are to be guided by the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, we're to be where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to be, with whom God wants us to see. And there's no evidence that he prayed. There's no evidence that he shared his Bethel experience. Too many Christians don't share their experience with Christ and spread the good news of the gospel and tell how God has blessed them to share hope in a dark world. Now suffering a pandemic, our world is lonely right now. It was lonely before and it's worse now. I said early on that those that were suffering just a little bit of mental distress or maybe some mental problems are having great problems now as this has continued on and it's gotten worse instead of better. Do we understand that? Are we praying for them? Are we sharing with them? Think about, I think, one of the worst decisions that Jacob made. He sees Rachel. He loves her. It was interesting to me. He saw Rachel and her father's sheep. He saw this great herd. And being a supplanter, being a hill snatcher, being a trickster, he was adding up dollar signs. If I marry the daughter, the dowry is going to be pretty good. And then he's deceived. He doesn't get the daughter he wants. He gets the other daughter, which we're going to discuss in a moment. But to do that, he offered to become Laban's servant. I'll serve you for seven years. You don't have to pay me. I'll just take my feet. I'll serve you. I'm going to take care of your flocks. I know how to do that. I'll work for you seven years. And then I want your daughter as my wife. And he did that. He worked seven years. He became a servant of Laban. And then he was tricked. And, and he must have been... Pretty inebriated, that's a fancy word for drunk. Because he goes in, he doesn't even know it's the wrong woman. He wakes up the next morning, it's the wrong woman. Oh no, what have you done to me? Well, you did it to yourself. You reap what you sow. But I need to have more compassion than that. He was tricked, he was hurt. And here he is with the wrong girl. What's he going to do? They've consummated the marriage, they're married. He's married to her now. Well, we can't give the older before the younger in our country. Tell you what you do, Laban says. You work another seven years for me after this first week's fulfilled and you can have Rachel too. So now he has two wives because of his prayerless decisions. Now, because he hasn't asked God, he was vulnerable to what would happen to him. You see, he, he really gave up a lot there. Do we understand that? I mean, God intended him to be free. God intended him to have a family. God intended him to be a mighty nation. God did all these things. And even in the midst of this problem, God is still working to accomplish his purpose through Jacob, just like he does us. But he violated uh, his life's passion and understanding of God's purpose. God had told him all these things. Here's my purpose for you. And he violated that without even praying about it. I'm going to become your servant. I'll work seven years. He ended up working 14 years for two wives. Because he left Bethel and that relationship behind. Because he left that worship off. 
I'm talking about a daily worship experience. I'm talking about a relationship that he was trying to avoid to do his own thing, to continue being a trickster, a supplanter, to make his own way by his own strength. I mean, he's the one that moved, removed the stone from the well. Doesn't say they had to help him. He's the one that lived by his wits. He'd outsmarted his brother. He'd outsmarted his daddy. He's going to outsmart his father-in-law. He was going to make it on his own. And God was trying to teach him, oh no, I'm going to bless you. And it's going to be my own will. But he hadn't learned that yet. See, when we leave Bethel behind, uh, we're not ready for service. When we leave Bethel behind, uh, we follow those temptations. When we leave Bethel behind, we exchange blessings for consequences. You see, Jacob is deceived and I'm thinking that it must have ran in the family because it's his uncle that's deceiving him and he deceived everybody else. So it's a pattern of behavior. There is such a thing that we learn some of our sins and have a, a bend toward them because of our family situations. We cannot say, my family made me do it. We cannot make excuses, but it was there for him and it's there for us. But you see, we exchange blessings for consequences He's deceived, and his life becomes a harvest of difficult days. He worked for seven years for his father-in-law. Proverbs 13, 15 says this, The way of the unfaithful is hard. The first part of the verse says, A good understanding gains favor, but the way of the faithful, unfaithful, is hard. He hadn't been faithful to his dad. He hadn't been faithful to his Brother, he had been faithful in his life. He's a trickster. He's a planner. Lived by his own wits. He got the best of everybody. That's what he's known for. And he harvested difficult days. Because that's what Galatians 6 says. It says, Be not deceived, my brethren. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. It applies to me. It applies to everybody. And for Jacob, it meant difficult days. He, he, uh, when he names his wages and when he falls out of favor with Laban later on in, in Genesis 30 and 31, uh, he tells Laban, look, you made me absorb the loss. I had no sleep. It didn't matter if there was frost outside or rain outside. I had to do your bidding. I had to work these seven years. And then when we finally were ready to leave, you, you told me keep serving and and my wages would be the flock, the spotted ones or the brown ones. And you changed my wages ten times. It was difficult days because of he'd left God behind. Is Bethel behind? Have you left God behind? You're wondering where he's at, why you can't seem to hear him. Maybe I've left God and I feel sort of cold and, and indifferent and I don't have the joy of my salvation. And I'm sure you, if that's our case, yours or mine, it's not that God left. We left. We tried to do it without him. We didn't, we didn't trust him. See, we, the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will guide your paths, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Have we done that? If not, there are difficult days that we have. We exchange blessings for consequences. It becomes a harvest of difficult days. It also becomes, uh, when we leave that behind, we don't nurture our relationship with God. And when we don't nurture our relationship with God, it affects our relationship with others. Now, think about that. How does it affect our relationships with others? 
Jacob now lives in the tensions of two wives. Leah, okay, who is not loved or not loved nearly as much as Rachel. So he lives in the tension between two lives. Not love. It, it drains him of his passion. You can read about that in, in chapter 29, begin with verse 39 and go towards the end of verse thir or chapter 30. It's just it's constant bickering between the two women. Back and forth. One is childless, one has children. Finally, uh, the handmaids get involved and he has children from then. And then finally Rachel has some and, and they, they, they exchange time with Jacob, even bribing with mandrakes, uh, that fruit of the area, okay, that was sort of unusual and sweet. But you see, it's the tensions of married life that he had to endure now because he didn't do what God said. And then not only did it affect those relationships, think of the names of Leah's son. Her names reflect the heartbreak of her relationship and the hope that Jacob one day would love her. For instance, her firstborn, Reuben. Uh, it really means God has seen my misery. That I'm not loved, okay? He's seen my misery. Then she has Simeon. The Lord hears that I'm not loved the way my sister is. Then Levi. My husband, now that I've born him three sons, will surely be attached to me. And then Judah. And it simply means I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. These names show progression in Leah's relationship with God. And also a progression in Leah's relationship with Jacob. For all this hurt could have been avoided if he had changed his ways when he met God, if he would have really let God have control of his life. Instead, God's got to mold him through all these difficult days, through all these troubles, through all these trials, because he's stubborn, because he's willful. Are we stubborn? Are we willful? Do we think I can do it my way? I can do it on my own? God, don't bother me right now. When I'm old, you can have your way. But right now, I want my own. If so, we're heading for a lot of trouble with our relationships and in married life if we're married and single life if we're not. In this failure to nurture relationship, I also see Laban's plot that eradicated a good father-in-law relationship with Jacob. He knew as soon as he said, I'll let you serve for seven years for Rachel, he knew that according to the customs that Leah had to be married first. But he didn't tell Jacob that till the day after he was married and he discovered he'd been tricked. So he's trying to uh, get Jacob off course. He's trying to make sure. The scripture tells us here that he says, I've seen that God blesses you and that's why he makes the deal to start paying him after the, seven, after the 14 years in flocks and herds. The Lord is blessing you He's blessing me because he blesses you. So you stay and work. And he did. But all the time he was changing his wages. All the time he let him bear the loss of any suffered because of weather. Or any suffered because of wild animals. Any suffered because somebody came in and stole. Jacob suffered the loss. He did not. So it was a bad relationship. And then Jacob's resentment. I think, towards his father-in-law, hindered him even more from a willingness to worship the God he met at Bethel. 
Matthew 5, 22, or really begin with verse 21, tells us some of these things. Jesus said, you have heard it that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, is in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. While you're on the way with him, let your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and he's thrown in prison. Assured as I say to you, you'll by no means get out of there until you've paid the last penny. What Jesus is saying is, don't let bad relationships with others fester. Don't let that become a problem because then it becomes a problem when your relationship with God. Oop, there's my timer. Uh, we're going to have to pick it up the next time. But remember that that resentment hindered him from having a good relationship with his father. That relationship hindered him, I think, from guiding his wives correctly to a good relationship with God and a good relationship with one another and so much jealousy back and forth between them. It, it hindered, I think, his children from really learning who God was in their early formative years. And they have some problems later on. Uh, and it all came down to leaving God behind. Not worshiping on a daily basis. Not having a right relationship, having a religion, but not the relationship God wanted to have with him. It's like God revealed himself in that special way and talked to him in that special way, and he didn't know God was in that place. It was such a surprise, and then he was fearful because he had talked to the living one true God, heard from him very clearly, and then he worships there, pour, making that stone and doing a pillar and, and pouring oil on it making a deal with God, and God keeps his in, but somewhere along the way, we don't see Jacob keeping his at this point. And he will later. But you see, the lessons are, have we left God? If so, we're not ready for service. If so, it leads us to a lot of prayerless decisions. If so, we exchange blessings for consequences. If so, we fail to nurture a relationship with God, which affects our relationship with others. If you're having bad relationships with others, the Bible clearly says, it's up to you to make it right. It may be their fault, but it's up to you to make it right. And you do your part, and if they don't want to do their part, then they have to deal with God. You've done what you're supposed to do. That's enough for tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your many blessings. Just guide us and direct us into your truth. And Father, don't let us forget the truth you've taught us. Help us to live out the way you'd have us live in our relationships. Help us to live out how you'd have us live in our decision making. Help us to live out how we're supposed to live in our jobs, in our careers. Help us to live out our relationship with you and our families. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next time, church. Thanks.